Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome into College Football Smothered and Covered. My name is Barrett Salee. I really appreciate you checking out the show. Still in its infancy, but we are making progress. A ton of momentum, and I thank you, the fans, for helping us out. Whether you're watching on YouTube, Rumble, listening on Apple, Spotify, wherever you consume your college football content, please share the show. Leave us a review. Let us know what you like. But I think more importantly, let us know what you dislike, because this show is tailored to you. So please let us know what we're doing right. Constructive criticism is always good. So let us know what I'm doing wrong as well. We have a busy show today. Breaking news out of Georgia. No, not the Bulldogs, but somewhere closer to Atlanta, the SEC, going to a nine-game schedule at some point. Technology now moving into the helmets and the sidelines of players in the Big Ten wants a little bit more competitiveness in the month of November. We're going to get to all of that, of course, throughout what is an absolutely loaded show. Reminder, this show brought to you by Coastal Vibe Vacations, 850-888-0515, coastalvibevacations.com. They specialize in one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom rentals on Okaloosa Island between Fort Walton Beach and Destin, Florida. If you have not been there, restaurants appear with all kinds of kids' games. You have all kinds of bars. It's great. And these resorts that Coastal Vibe Vacation specializes in, man, you're talking about five pools, all kinds of splash pads, tiki bars. They have Everything. Coastal Vibe Vacations, 850-888-0515 or CoastalVibeVacations.com. Now, another problem, and this is now a problem. There is a coaching problem in the world of college football, and it's something that needs to be addressed. If you missed it this morning, news broke that Georgia State coach Sean Elliott is returning to the Gamecocks to be the tight ends coach under Shane Beamer. Now, I say returning because he was the interim head coach when Steve Spurrier retired a few years back. But look at what's happening, whether it's Chip Kelly leaving UCLA to become the offensive coordinator at Ohio State and now Sean Elliott leaving to become the tight ends coach at Georgia State. And we've seen this with South Alabama, Kane Womack going to, going to Alabama as well. This is a problem. And I think the reason we have this problem is because of NIL. It's because of the transfer portal. And also it's because of money. An assistant coach in the SEC, assistant coach in the Big Ten, they make more money than being a head coach in Group of Five. Now, Chip Kelly left a lot of money, so he exclude him from the issue. But Maurice Linguist, Kane Womack, and now Sean Elliott, they're going to make more as an assistant in a Power Two conference. 
That is, I think, one part of this, you know, while everyone's going to freak out, and I get it, you're going to freak out, you should freak out, this is a problem, but the money is, a, is, is part of this, and it should be, because if I'm making over a million dollars as an assistant, but I'm making 750 as a head coach somewhere, an extra 250, pretty darn solid, pretty good chunk of change. So there is the financial aspect of it, but that's not the real problem here. The real problem here is the new administrative responsibilities of a head coach. You know, Chip Kelly's not going to want to deal with what he's been dealing with as a head coach. Sean Elliott doesn't want to do it. Now, this is a lesser extent, obviously, because Georgia State's NIL budget and you know all that stuff is a little different than one at the Power 5 level. But this has to change. And it goes back to something that I've talked about ad nauseum. All it takes, all it takes is fixing the calendar. If you want to get rid of this coaching problem, and it's almost an epidemic at this point, a few simple changes to the calendar will do it. That's it. First things first, eliminate the early signing period. Make February great again and put the only national signing day as the first Wednesday of February. That's going to solve a lot. Now, if you don't want to eliminate the early signing period, okay, make it in July before fall camp. Make it you know, mid-August, whatever. I don't care when it is. Because the initial intent, remember, of the college football uh, early transfer, early signing period, I should say, was to let longtime commitments or legacy players get it out of the way before high school. That was the initial intent when we started talking about this 10, 15 years ago. And I remember Dan Mullen, I think he was even at Mississippi State at this point, said it has to be at that point. It has to be at that time. He warned you. Everybody warned you. Everybody that said we should have it before the season warns you. And look where we are. It's a disaster. So if you want to prevent this from happening, if you want to present a prevent sitting head coaches from going to take assistant coaching jobs elsewhere in the country, eliminate the early signing period. That will do an awful lot. Because it would prevent them from having to deal with high school recruits when they're also having to deal with the transfer portal, hiring assistant coaches, oh yeah, and actually playing football, practicing for bowl games. And in some cases, 12 of them next year, preparing for the college football playoff. Okay, do that, coaches stay. Now, you want, you want this to really, really go away. Transfer portal for only one week in the winter. The Monday after championship Saturday, Open the transfer portal window. Close it the following Monday. It solves basically everything. Players who were unhappy or who were unhappy can bail. It solves basically everything. Players can bail. We're not going to have a Malik Murphy situation where he kind of hangs out for a little while and then has to leave his team before the college football playoff right before practice starts. Everybody knows what's happening. I know the academic calendar plays into a little bit of this. Screw the academic calendar. I don't care. <laughs> this is big business. All right? So coaches can get this out of the way. They can figure out who's in, who's out, build their roster. And that happens 
even before the first bowl game is played. Even if you're in the worst possible bowl game, the first bowl game of the cycle, the transfer portal window will have already been closed. Now for Army Navy, which takes place a week after, okay, exception, fine, don't care. That's totally cool. Because if if coaches know their roster in mid-December, it would allow them to focus on National Signing Day, the high school version in February, not the one in mid-December, because again, we're doing away with that. They could get ready for spring practice. And then they can gear up for the spring transfer portal window, which should be the most important one. Because that players would actually go through spring practice. They'll know their new coaches if they've made a change. They will see where the depth chart is. Now, obviously, there's not going to be an actual depth chart, but players are taking reps. They know what's up. The spring transfer portal window should be the one that counts. So two simple things. Eliminate the early signing period, or at the very least, move it to late July, mid-August, wherever. Even You could even do it before media days. You could even do it at the end of June, whatever. And shorten the winter transfer portal to one week. Start it the Monday after championship Saturday and close it that following week, two days after the Heisman Trophy ceremony. What's the problem? It would solve a lot. And it would keep coaches in their jobs. It would keep coaches away from doing what Sean Elliott did. For what Kane Womack did. For what Maurice Linguist did. I don't think it would prevent Chip Kelly because that's a different situation. He was at UCLA going to the Big Ten. He just didn't like what he was having to deal with. It's got to be fixed, folks. It's got to be fixed, and it can be fixed. The calendar in college football is screwed up, and all you need to do is eliminate the early signing period and shorten the transfer portal window in the winter to one week, starting after championship Saturday and closing the following Monday. It really isn't that hard, but it's college football. It's the NCAA, which means it won't happen because this sport is beautifully dysfunctional, but this isn't beautiful. It's got to be fixed. Reminded the show call, uh, brought to you by Coastal Vibe Vacations, 850-888-0515. CoastalVibeVacations.com, specializing in one, two, three-bedroom condos on Okaloosa Island along the Gulf Coast of Florida between Destin and Fort Walton. CoastalVibeVacations.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So another problem was discussed on Wednesday, and that is the future of the SEC football schedule. Now, if you remember, the one that was released during the season was a one-year stopgap for the 2024 season 
when Texas and Oklahoma join. It's an eight-game schedule. And you can kind of see where the one permanent opponent would be, but it's not official. But it's an eight-game schedule. The, the majority of those big rivalries are already on there. And the Texas AD discussed at a, I think it was a booster event, that they're working on a nine-game nine schedule. Uh, the 2025, he said, were was going to be the same as the 2024 in terms of just eight games. I'm sure we can figure out the rivalries that uh, next year too. But then 2026 and beyond a nine-game schedule. And to me, that shows where the momentum is. And it's where the momentum had been for a long time. The six plus three model. If there was an eight-game schedule, there'd be one permanent. But if there's a nine-game schedule, it'd be six rotating and three permanent. And you'd still see every team over a two-year span, which is something that I think matters to a lot of coaches, more than maybe fans realize. So this is something that a nine-game schedule, it, when Nick Saban was at Alabama, he lobbied for a nine-game schedule forever. I mean, I've been down at SEC spring meetings in Destin quite a bit, and it was his major talking point for probably five years, certainly after Texas A&M and Missouri joined the conference in 2012. Nick, But then it, a couple years ago, I guess it was even last year this time, Nick Saban started to balk at that a little bit and said, you know what, we got to get this fixed. And the the dots that were connected were that Alabama was going to get stuck with Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. So I'd be pretty pissed about that too. But it does look like the 6 plus 3 model will be adopted. And I was for either one. I didn't really care either way because even if your rival isn't on there, as one of your permanent opponents, you're still going to see him every other year. Is that a is that a problem? Yeah. Is it a massive deal? No. You're still going to be able to get revenge. A lot of the players will still be on the roster. Whatever. But I am content with the 6 plus 3 model. Now, for some schools, for a lot of schools actually, you're not you don't even have three permanent opponents. So that part will be interesting. Like who gets Vandy? The SEC can't pretend like it knows how teams are going to be two, three, four, five years down the road, but they pretty much know that Vandy is going to be the cellar dweller. So that's going to be the next discussion in this. I think we all know that Alabama is going to get Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. Auburn is going to get Georgia, Alabama, and that one might be a mystery. The, the obvious one would be LSU, but I doubt that. Maybe Florida, bring back that Florida rivalry. That was a big one, kids. If you don't remember that, look it up. It was a big one, early 2000s and prior to that. If you're Texas, you're going to get Oklahoma. You're going to get Texas A&M. You might get LSU. You might get Arkansas. Probably Arkansas because it's an old Southwest Conference rivalry. So you're going to get a lot of these games. And that's good. That's fine. I wish it would happen in 2025. If, if they're still having to negotiate within the conference, then that's a problem because this has been something that's been talked about ad nauseum. Now, what I think is actually going on here is that they're still working through all the buyouts. There are several teams that have three Power 5 opponents scheduled. Most of the ones that have that are Georgia, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, because they have out-of-conference out of rivalry games. Those have to be bought out. You have to negotiate that. ESPN is ESPN, so I'm sure they are facilitating a lot of that. 
but that's a lot of work. So to me, it's not that I'm just guessing here. It's not that these 80s and presidents are still debating what the format will be. It's how you clear some of those permanent or those out of conference games that are already on the books out. I think Georgia already, I think Georgia has four out of conference power five games scheduled, maybe 2026 or 2027. Like if you go to a nine game conference schedule, (laughs) A, you got to buy one out. You probably should buy two out. And if you lose a game, and this goes for everybody, if you lose a game within the conference, it really wouldn't have a big factor in terms of where you are in the college football playoff ranking. So that's a big one that's been going on lately. I'm really excited to see if they can move that forward and start in 2025, although I doubt it, but still settling on a future is something that I think is very important. Speaking of future, the ACC approved something. It's not set in stone, and the ACC can't do it until they get approval from the higher-ups, but sideline tablets and helmet radios for quarterbacks and linebackers, they've approved it, and this is something that should have happened long ago. If we can have instant replay in every single possible stadium in college football, we should we, we should have been able to have headsets in the helmets of college football players. At least that the line, the, the middle linebacker and the quarterback. The NFL's done this forever. It will make things a lot easier. Now, it will remove the home field advantage from a lot of stadiums who pride themselves on noise. Is that a huge deal? No, it's not a huge deal. It'll make things a lot easier, a lot cleaner. It'll, it'll be a better product. And we saw bowl games experiment with this and the sideline tablets. I think I know the Independence Bowl was one. I think there was another a couple that that did it. Maybe the Belk Bowl, I think, did it as well. I'm sorry, not the Belk Bowl. The Duke's Mayo Bowl now. Duke's Mayo, folks, I apologize. I still have your helmet up there. It is out of sight of the camera shot, but it is still up there. So this is a great product. And why, tablets are the same. Like, NFL teams can, used to be able to print papers out and show still shots. Now they have iPads. It really is the same thing. If you're making $800 million in revenue, which is probably where the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be in year one, you can afford 15 tablets. You already give them to all your players for the playbook. You can get 15 more and use them as sideline training devices. So... Love it. Can't wait to see it implemented. I loved actually watching it in the bowl games. I wasn't aware which bowls were actually doing it. And when I saw the end is the independence bowl, when I saw quarterbacks head uh, hands up by their earpieces, I was dead set intent on watching that game to see how everybody dealt with this. And there didn't seem to be any problems. And look, If one headset goes out, it's the same if coaches' headsets go out. If one headset inside of a player gets gets damaged or whatever, then take the one away from the other player on the other side, the other quarterback or the other middle linebacker. Not a huge deal. We deal with it all the time in college football. All right. Next thing I want to deal with is the Big Ten. And Tony Petiti said uh, in an interview with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN that he wants to ensure that November games are meaningful, not just in the Big Ten race, but obviously in the college football playoff race because 
that elevates everything. A rising tide lifts all boats. And so in theory, yeah, I get it. In theory, this is a good idea. In practice, the execution of this actual idea is not going to work, especially in the Big Ten. All right. You have, from a name brand value, five teams at least that you can sort of look at and say, those are the good teams. Those are the high profile teams. We need to get them more exposure. And I'm talking about Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Those are six. My apologies. I went to Auburn. Math is kind of hard, but I went to sit. That's six. That doesn't even include a year where Minnesota jumps or Michigan State jumps or Iowa jumps or Wisconsin jumps. Like, think about that. Wisconsin would be outside of that group. And this is a Wisconsin team that has entered the Big Ten championship game. I know that doesn't exist anymore, but has entered the Big Ten championship game with a chance to go to the college football playoff multiple times since the format was installed after the 2024 season or 2014 season, I should say. You can't be in the business of guessing which teams are going to be good. Now, I know earlier in the show, kind of made fun of Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's the seller dweller in the SEC and has been forever and probably will be forever as well. But that's one team you can't sit there and tell whether it be straight up or just from you know implying. You can't tell, hey, Indiana, you're going to suck. We don't have faith in you. You can't say that to Nebraska and Matt Rule. And Matt Rule and Nebraska, have a, they have a chance to elevate themselves at least into contention to be one of those top six. You can't tell them that. Because then what's the point? Plus, on top of that, if you're making a schedule for 2026 and you release them during the 2025 season, which is what a lot of these conferences do, A, it's going to be demoralizing to that team for the rest of the season. And B, you don't even know who's going to be on those teams. So I like the idea. And I know Greg Sankey has had this idea in the past before. He's vocalized it. The execution part of this is disrespectful. But I think more importantly, impossible. Because on top of that, let's just say you put those six teams. I'm talking about Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Washington, Oregon, USC. Let's just say, I mean, not a round robin, but you put a lot of those matchups in November. Guess what? You're going to be screwing yourself a little bit because you might have a team that's undefeated going into November, lose three important games, and then guess what? They're out of the playoff. As opposed to softening the schedule or at least just drawing them out of hat and likely softening the schedule, and giving that team only two losses. A 10-2 and two Big Ten team gets in to the college football playoff. I don't think there's a person on the planet that disagrees with that. So, Tony Petiti is, I look, I like him. I think he's doing a very good job so far. He obviously has a background with the inner workings of the broadcast side and the distribution side of college athletics. And that is important clearly with what he, what this proposal or what this idea would do to ratings. 
but you can't do it. You just can't do it. And I, I think from a fan perspective, that would be disappointing because I think we all want that, right? It'd be awesome to watch Ohio State play Michigan at the end of the season, USC at the be- in the beginning of November, and uh, whoever, pick one. Washington, Oregon, in the middle of November. But, I mean, if you're the head coach of that team, you're like, damn, Tony, you're trying to knock us out of the college football playoff? And at the same time, the have-nots are going to be like, what the hell are we even doing at the end of the season? I mean, I know the Big Ten has rivalries all over the place, and they have like 546 different trophies, several of which are an axe, which, sidebar, very cool. I like weapons as trophies. But you can't sit here and do this. You can't tell them that they have no chance. That's not, from a realistic standpoint, you can't do it. From an execution standpoint, you can't do it. And from a morality standpoint, you can't do it. That will do it for college football smothered and covered. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, Side note, this weekend and early next week, it will be audio only for this show. Headed out to Telluride, Colorado. If you're going to be out in Telluride, Colorado, hit me up on DM. We can go uh, catch a few runs together, hit a little bit pow- a little bit of powder together. But it will be audio only early next week. Uh, so if you're following on YouTube, hey, you can still follow. Tell your friends, but it won't be there. It'll be there, actually. It will be there. But it'll be one of those audio wave sort of audiogram things and still be the entire show. But it will not be what you expect on YouTube and Rumble. I will talk to you guys on Friday, and there will be a weekend feast best of show that goes up on Saturday. You guys enjoy your weekend and I will talk to you from Colorado. If something breaks or if there's something very important uh, coming up next week, y'all have a good Thursday. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join planet fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See home club for details.